welcome to this episode of All About Aid, the podcast brought to you by From Bucks to Rainbows Project at Carleton University in Ottawa, Canada. As always, I'm your host, Robbie Venus, and this week I'm really excited to be partnered with World Vision and their new podcast called In Progress. So this episode is a little bit different than what I usually do, and I'm actually just going to play for you the full episode of In Progress that the team there sent to me. And it's really interesting because it's talking about World Food Day, which is today, as they sit down with very famous chef Dennis Prescott to talk about food and the role that it has in our communities, both in Canada and abroad, as well as the way that food kind of influences how we look at life and share experiences. For me, as a vegan and somebody that really genuinely cares about food security and the role that food has, I found this a really interesting episode, and so I hope you feel the same way. Before we start, I'd also just like to say that on the side of this podcast and my PhD research, we are launching a campaign called Water Carlton, which is water education research, in which if you go to futurefunder.ca, you can find our page and donate. The project is really interesting. And there's a lot of information there, and there will be another episode coming out soon that talks about this in a little bit more detail. But for now, please check out futurefunder.ca and find the page for water education research. And please enjoy this wonderful episode of In Progress, brought to you by World Vision Canada with Dennis Prescott on World Food Day. Thank you very much. My name is Joyce. Joyce Kilpimo lives with her husband and their children in a remote area of Kenya in the highlands just outside of Iten, Algeo Marikwet. The family is working within their community to raise a happy and healthy home. When we have the fruits like these ones, we get vitamins without buying, we get food. We have food security when we are producing it ourselves. We don't spend money buying food. That means we can, I can feed my family without a lot of struggles. This week on In Progress, World Food Day. We are joined by well-known chef and author, Dennis the Prescott. Dennis has built a reputation for his delicious meals and enticing Instagram photos, but he hasn't always been a chef. Before this, he was a musician. So Dennis, why food? What prompted you to start cooking? I had no, there was no agenda mm-hmm. when I started cooking. I just knew I needed to cook. Very honestly, I wasn't taking care of myself, uh, eating dollar menu mm-hmm. uh, every day because I had no money in Nashville. Musician's lifestyle is right. not super... Glamorous, as people think? I mean, it is glamorous, um, but only if you're the 1%. <laughs> you know, it's, but for most people, they eat the dollar menu, they eat pasta with butter on it, right. you know, they're, they're struggling to get by, they're loving doing what they're doing, but mm-hmm. they're str- it's a struggle for those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And a friend said that you sh- I should start to learn how to cook. Um, I didn't really know what that meant because Pinterest didn't really exist, YouTube right. didn't really exist, like all of this, the way that we learn how to cook recipes in 2018 was very different then. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what does that mean? So long story short, I went to the library and took some cookbooks out. And what I love about cooking was the same thing that happened that first time that I cooked for people. Mm -hmm. I made a chicken korma dish. Okay. Uh, And there's this moment where, you know when you feed people and it just gets quiet. 
right just for a second and then people start talking again and and you know they're loving it and you know people are getting into the conversation and stuff and it really picks up but that moment of hush mm -hmm. was the closest thing that I had experienced to being in a band playing someone's favorite song them singing it back and having this relationship you know where right. you orchestrate um, an experience for someone mm -hmm. and I loved that I mean mm -hmm. I loved cooking I loved uh, you know the act of learning how to cook I, but feeding people is what mm -hmm. I fell in love with there's something very kind of uh, almost, um, yeah, almost spiritual, you know, when you, you, when you gather at the table with people, you know, it's important. And I think that culturally we've kind of lost that a little bit. Right. And I, I had lost that too. And I think that's what I fell in love with was the community aspect at the table and being able to orchestrate that for people and offer that. Cause most of the, I mean, the musicians I was cooking for were eating alphagetti out, <laughs> out of the can cold. So they were just happy to have a hot meal. Right. Um, and then, you know, the cool thing is, you know, take that and then flash forward to all the stuff I do today. Mm -hmm. It's just a, it's just a, an amplified version of what I fell in love, right. in love with there, right? right? But now I'm able to offer, uh, you know, recipes, uh, videos, you know, cook on TV, cook with you folks, yeah. uh, and World Vision and World Vision communities. But all of it is about gathering at the table. All of right. it is a, is, a, is a vehicle to bring people from the couch to the kitchen and then right. the kitchen to the table, whatever version of that is right. for somebody else. Because somebody has a different version. You know, we all have a favorite food. Mm -hmm. Somebody has a different version of that in Kenya than they do in New Brunswick, where I'm from. Right. But we all share that kind of uh, story Mm -hmm. of gathering at the table. The ideal diet for children six months and older is diverse, with foods from at least four different food groups. So the beauty of bringing together different flavors, different types of food, is that families can get all the nutrients they need that wouldn't be available from just one source. Watching the videos that you've done and hearing you talk about food as community, mm -hmm. is that where that's birthed from? What, what do you mean by food is community? Yeah, I mean, if it, if, you know, I think I think we think of food as food. Mm -hmm. and I think food is much more than food, right? Food. I mean, yes, food nourishes us. We need it. Uh, some people have a lot of it. Some people don't have enough of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do share the story of food. But I think that, you know, once you actually have food in community, and and food should be the vehicle that brings us together, right? You go to uh, a lot of the communities that I've been fortunate enough to visit in Ethiopia and Kenya mm -hmm. uh, and Somalia and, and everyone eats together. No one's eating alone. Right. Like eating alone just doesn't right. exist mm -hmm. in that part of mm -hmm. the world, you know, mm -hmm. maybe for the few, mm -hmm. but majority of people eat as a whole community. Right. And I think that, you know, that is what we all should do. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's that thing that you go, you know, you come home from work and you have a terrible day and you can celebrate with your favorite meal uh, by washing off that bad experience right. of the day or you have a great day and you can come home and really celebrate because it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. But you want to do that with people you love. Mm -hmm. Our favorite meals of the year are Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and Christmas and Easter. Not because we necessarily love those meals, but we love gathering with people that we care about right. at the table. Yeah. And food is, is the vehicle that brings that together. Mm -hmm. um, I think on you know a 30,000 foot level though, I think that once you gather at the table, uh, that's when division starts to go away. Right. That's when you realize it's not our differences, it's our similarities that we share. Mm -hmm. That's when real life can start to happen. And I think, you know, in 2018, more than any other time, we need a whole lot of time at the table, right? right. And having real life conversations. Right. And I think that that's where the community aspect comes into it. You know, food might bring us there, but community is, is the byproduct of that. Right. And I think that 
food is so much, you know, the, the communal aspect of food is so much more important than even what we eat. What we're actually eating. Yeah, I mean, you go to your friend's house mm -hmm. and you have an amazing meal mm -hmm. and they crush it. Like they mm -hmm. cook your favorite food. A month later, you're still not, you're still going to be thinking about how great a time you mm -hmm. had. You're not going to remember what you ate, mm -hmm. right? Like most people, because they remember being with people that they love. Mm -hmm. And I think food helps us to do that. From the university student living on a steady diet of packaged noodles or pizza to a family of five heating up leftovers, many people are unaware of the importance of diversifying their diets. A hunger-free world is one where meals are shared, community is fostered, and there's always enough to go around, especially for moms, children, and babies. Dennis has traveled with us to Ethiopia and Kenya to see how the project is bringing together knowledge on health and nutrition with the rich local food culture to help children and families stay healthy and thrive. I'll be honest, Ethiopia kind of, uh, in a great way, surprised me. Because the narrative of Ethiopia that I had heard was, mm -hmm. you know, the we are the world, uh, you know, uh, Bob Geldof, oh, 1980s, yes. yeah. uh, you know, famine. Ethiopia is not front and center in North mm -hmm. American mm -hmm. news and in North American media, mm -hmm. um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, of course, is another conversation. Mm -hmm. But but I didn't know much. And then I started to research and then and learn more about it. And then we went there and I was like, man, this is lush. Mm -hmm. Like it's lush and there's farming everywhere. So at first, you know, it was a story of, of hope and joy and mm -hmm. positivity and resilience and progress. Mm -hmm. um, but then I started to learn about the struggle to get there. Right. And of course, that doesn't mean that everyone is, is, is uh, doing great, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. And there's still a lot of work left to be done. Mm -hmm. But it was incredibly inspiring mm -hmm. to know, you know, even, even uh, you know, we visited a community that there was massive deforestation. Right. And, uh, the, you know, uh, children were going, uh, walking hours and hours and hours, you know, and miles and miles into the woods to get wood because mm -hmm. they couldn't get it from home. And mm -hmm. of course, that's a massive security issue mm -hmm. uh, because little kids are further and further away from their house. Mm -hmm. uh, and the byproduct of cooking over wood in the way they were is it's very unhealthy. Right. They were cooking inside. They're in, you know inhaling smoke all day. That's also where they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. Things that we don't really consider here: right. uh, cooking over gas or cooking over a, you know uh, an oven in yeah. our electric oven in mm -hmm. our home. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know so then you know the World Vision uh, folks. Uh, locally have this new uh, stove that they've put in people's homes and what that's done is it only requires a very small amount of wood. The mm -hmm. wood they're able to gather right around their property so people aren't having to go away mm -hmm. and, and walk for miles and miles to get wood. Mm -hmm. The forest has started to come back. Mm -hmm. The forest coming back means that the water table is coming back. Mm -hmm. So the trees are able to actually t retain that water mm -hmm. and the problem was without that uh, water table all of the water was running away from that area that used to have trees into farmers fields right. and flooding the farm so okay. they were losing their crop every year mm -hmm. so you know the cause and effect of this stove mm -hmm. the cause and effect of this you know reforestation mm -hmm. all of this has you know Impacts. led to them having lush farms but it was years right to get there you know okay. mm -hmm. um, so it, you know it's uh, like I say you know it's both a story of, of positivity because there's massive progress mm -hmm. but then knowing you know the, the uphill battle of course right. uh, is, a, is a story that I hadn't heard before and all that said that's one community mm -hmm. and one community that is doing better but of course that's not the case in every community that we visited and there are other communities that far and away are not in that situation and they need a lot of that kind of same progress and help that they can get by World Vision coming in mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, empowering them. Okay. You know. So um, thinking about that and then that access to food, and we've talked about this a couple of times on different episodes for the prog podcast, 
access is different for everyone, right? Um, And so in accessing food, we also need to consider the right nutrients in food. Um, In Kenya, I know that you visited the Thousand Day Journey program, Mm -hmm. and that has links to not just food, but the nutrients in food that are necessary for mothers and babies to thrive. What were your observations in in Kenya? Did you meet any... um, Anyone, any stories that stood out um, in terms of that relationship of food to health for mothers and babies? Yeah, definitely. And I'll be honest, it's something. My brother has four has four kids, okay. so I have four nieces and nephews. I don't have kids, mm-hmm. so I, the you know the the requirements of maternal health is mm-hmm. a very new thing that I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> I don't think I need to tell anyone that. Um, <laughs> but I did learn so much yeah. about the, the, you know, the importance of those first thousand days, mm-hmm. and, and uh, obviously not having access to to food. Uh, you know, the drought just not allowing people to. You know, we went to some communities where literally they were eating berries, and that's mm. all they ate every day. They ate berries. Mm. They had to walk five miles to get those berries, mm-hmm. and they're poisonous until mm-hmm. they break them down mm-hmm. and let them sun dry. Like, mm-hmm. it's intense, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's a community that wasn't part of the Thousand Day Journey mm-hmm. program yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we went to Thousand Day Journey programs, learned about how, how things like sweet potatoes are changing people's lives, right. changing from white flesh sweet potatoes to orange flesh sweet potatoes mm-hmm. that are so much more hot. Uh, you know, they have so much more nutrients mm-hmm. and they're so much better for you. They're so much more drought resilient than, right. you know, and honestly, they're just way more delicious. <laughs> um, they taste a whole lot better. <laughs> but the uphill battle for, for farmers there, of course, is uh, it's, it's new. Right. And there's not a whole lot of crop diversity right. uh, in different regions of East Africa. Mm-hmm. So uh, selling the, you know, convincing folks, to, hey, you should grow these and here's the cause and effect of that. Mm-hmm. And then also convincing folks at the farmer's market mm-hmm. to spend their hard-earned money right. to buy that. That's an uphill battle, mm-hmm. but once people start eating them, once mm-hmm. people start actually investing, and once they start feeding their children mm-hmm. with these incredibly rich vegetables, they notice the cause and effect with their kids. You know, right. one kid, you know, older child might might have not grown up with that, and they're struggling mm-hmm. from a health perspective. And then the four-year-old, three-year-old who has been on that program is doing so much better. On his recent travels to Kenya, Dennis actually got a chance to meet Joyce, the woman we heard from earlier. Dennis. Yeah, you know, I uh, I met a woman. Her her name is Joyce. She lives outside of a ten, mm-hmm. in the north of Kenya. It's beautiful there. Mm-hmm. It's a highland region. Mm-hmm. It's one of those areas that you you know you would want to th- fly a drone for mm-hmm. days just mm-hmm. to capture all of the magic of that area. But I met I met her um, two years ago, mm-hmm. and I visited her twice okay. now. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I met her, she. Her story impacted me so much that I actually rewrote a certain section of my book because okay. uh, my publisher was probably not super happy. But <laughs> but I but I did it at the last minute because I wanted to include her story, you know, or at least a snippet of it. Mm-hmm. I included a photograph of her. Mm-hmm. So you know, we spent the day together. We cooked together. Uh, she taught me a dish that's a vegetarian dish that she makes for her family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's very rich uh, in nutrients. It's very healthy, and mm-hmm. I sh- I taught her how to make French toast. Uh, which, and I walked around the farm, and they had access to all of you know mm-hmm. the majority of those ingredients mm-hmm. but something that they could they could do side note she still makes it for her kids she told me oh. almost every Saturday which <laughs> made me want to cry absolutely um, but you know she's she has an incredible story she uh, she struggled for a very long time and life's not perfect that's mm-hmm. for sure you know mm-hmm. life's not perfect for any of us um, she has this incredible story where her uh, she's the first 
first community member to ever go to college Ooh. from her uh, region. Right. So because of that, she understands the importance of education. So right. now her children are in, are in college. Right. And while she was at college or somewhere along the way during that time in her life, she she got access to television. Mm -hmm. Her and her husband have a satellite dish mm -hmm. in her house. And I hadn't seen a satellite dish anymore. Mm -hmm. And they have this amer amazing, um, this amazing irrigation system mm -hmm. that they've put together in their ha in their farm because mm -hmm. they of course they you know there's a drought how do you water your crops without right. rain right so he was watching and they were watching together television mm -hmm. and saw about irrigation practices on TV it's probably the one positive thing that's ever come from watching television um, and then her husband would go go to different, uh, he'd collect piping, collect different kind of uh, canisters, things to hold the water and the rainwater as it come in, and he'd makeshifted mm -hmm. this irrigation system in her farm, and her crops were doing incredible. In the East Africa context, where there's been drought and erratic rain, new farming techniques are necessary for year-round access to diverse and nutritious foods. Here's Joyce again, explaining her irrigation system. The biggest challenge of this area is water, yeah water and then most of our life the the life standards of our people it's a bit lower most people don't afford the much money to go and get pipes from the stream we depend they depend on water brought by the county government but most of that water is just for domestic use they are put in a community point you go and fetch and bring it to your homes we manage to get some water from the eels there, there's a stream, but that stream is seasonal. When, when you come here around December to, to March, there's no, there's no water in that stream. But for now, when it's raining, there's enough water. So we bought some, we bought 400 pipes. So we sourced water from that river. It comes through gravity. So we are doing overhead irrigation through gravity because of the gradient of the land. I did agriculture when I was in high school, yeah, and that's why I got some little information on the types of irrigation. She was telling me this story where like literally we're just chopping onions together, the most kind of natural thing mm -hmm. in a kitchen. She speaks a little bit of English, but not a lot. Right. So we did have a little bit of a translator. Mm. We opened up a lot, mm. but that was the first person that was the first person I cooked with um, when I went to Kenya the first time. Right. And I, there was this incredible thing where there's a, this wall, this invisible barrier. Mm -hmm. When you go into someone's home, right, regardless of where you are, right. and you don't know them, at first you're like, I don't, who, who are you, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. and, and then add the language barrier, add the, hey, there's all these people with cameras showing up, right. add the whatever, regardless of the reason. You know, you feel a little bit like, who are you? Why are you here? But literally, we just started chopping onions together, and it was like that whole division mm -hmm. barrier, that invisible thing of I, you know, I not I'm not sure who you are. Mm -hmm. Went away. Mm -hmm. We just started laughing, having a great time. Our kids were joking. It was this incredibly beautiful moment of just the physical act of cooking, right. and then the physical act of breaking bread together. Right. Um, that completely blew my mind. And, and you know, the, the secondary thing which I think stuck with me from that experience learning from Joyce was, you know, we are rich in things. Mm -hmm. They are rich in community, mm -hmm. in generosity, mm -hmm. in joy, mm -hmm. in contentment, uh, in love, in wanting the best for their kids. You know, they, they 
really just want the same things that we do, mm -hmm. but they want it in their community. Mm -hmm. Like they, they don't want to leave. They just want access to water, to healthcare. They want a great life for their kids mm -hmm. and they want freedom from fear, mm -hmm. you know? And it was this thing where I was like, man, you are rich. Mm -hmm. Like I need to learn from you, mm -hmm. you know, more than anything. Uh, it was beautiful, yeah. So from all of the travels, um, it's amazing to hear your experiences of not just um, learning about food and the diversity of food in different cultures, but that experience of sharing food and cooking yeah. with, with different community members. Is there something that's in your recipe, your, your, your box right now that you're constantly going back to from one of your trips? Yeah, I mean, you know... I think the greatest thing that we can do is mm -hmm. is travel to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you find yourself in, in places that you'd never imagine. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the first time you have a pad thai in Canada and you're like, this is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Kind of should make you want to go, if it's this good here, how great is it in Thailand, right? right? So for me, you know, as a chef and wanting to learn how to cook, mm -hmm. you know, that's, it's education. Right. But there are special things along the way that have stuck with me. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I made chapati in the south of Kenya in Zakunzi. Mm -hmm. um, I've made chapati a lot <laughs> since. I've made it, you know, to teach Canadians how to make it, to talk about World Vision on, on mm -hmm. you know, on morning shows, on television and that kind of thing. And just talking about it through the recipes that I've, that I've been making. Mm -hmm. Recently going to Ethiopia and cooking. Uh, Ethiopian food is delicious. Mm -hmm. And it's super fragrant, super vibrant, tons of spices like right. berberet, uh, you know, lots of chilies. They, they make this incredible bread called injara that's mm -hmm. essentially a, it's a very thin like sourdough bread. Mm -hmm. So for me, I go, okay, I, I want to learn how to make this. Cooking, you know, in the, com in the communities that I visited, it's all over fire. I wish right. that I was cooking over fire nine, nine, you know, during my nine to five cooking right. you know, day, but I, but I don't. So I want to then recreate that. And I think that bringing those foods in, so whether it's injara, whether it's chapati, whether mm -hmm. it's ugali, whether it's any of these dishes that I've been fortunate to learn how to make, mm -hmm recreating that so that home cooks mm -hmm. can make that and bring that to their table. Mm -hmm. For me, it's an amazing kind of bless, you know, just really it's a privilege, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to do that. It's a privilege because someone's making my, my dish at their house. But far more than that, they're inviting that culture, that part of the world and their food into their table. Mm -hmm. And then that can start a conversation where they say, okay, cool. So now I've had ugali, now I've had injara, now I've had chapati, now I've had berberet. So what else is there about Ethiopian food or Kenyan food or Somali food? And then what is Ethiopia all about? Right. And what goes on there and what's happening? And what are the positives? And then what are the challenges? Mm -hmm. And I think that food can draw you know, people to the table and then food can draw those conversations out. Mm -hmm. So then people really wanna invest in change. Food is community. It's the vehicle that drives people from all around the world to the communal table. Sharing food is about so much more than filling plates. It's a way to extend love to those who gather around our tables. When we experience the joy of sharing food, we realize that good food, nutritious food, diverse food is essential, and not just for our bodies. It's critical for our minds, hearts, and spirits too. Thanks for listening. In Progress is a podcast by World Vision Canada, funded by Global Affairs Canada, and featuring stories from all around the world. I'm your host, Abena Thomas. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of In Progress, brought to you by World Vision Canada and me, Robbie Venus, at All About Aid, the podcast and blog brought to you by From Bucks to Rainbows Project at Carleton University. The intro to this podcast was 
with the music by Sigur Ross, Inimer Singur, Vitle Singur. I hope I pronounced that right. And please don't forget to donate to my PhD project at Water Education Research at FutureFunder.ca. Don't forget to go to allaboutaid.blog to learn more about this podcast and any other things related to aid that you may be interested in. Bye for now.